1: Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post Politics Podcast with me, Owen Bennett, Ned Simons, Paul Waugh and Graham Deminick. This week we are talking about the Tory leadership battle, the Labour leadership battle and maybe a little bit of Brexit. But let's kick things off by playing the uh, surprise announcement which took everyone by absolute shock this morning and this is Boris Johnson announcing that he wouldn't be standing for Tory leader. Well, I must tell you, My friends, you who have waited faithfully for the punchline of this speech. That having consulted colleagues and in view of the
2: circumstances in Parliament, I have concluded that person cannot be me.
1: Paul, you were in the room when Boris made that announcement. Talk us because I was watching it on television and I was sort of like, you know, I think they call the drop-your marmalade moment. What
3: was, was mar- <laughs> mar- <laughs> <laughs> drop your <marmalade. laughs> was mar- Yeah, had, you had to drop something uh, what yeah. was incredible was as he said the words there was this sort of sl- not just an intake of breath it was like a bomb had gone off and the air was sucked out of the room it was an incredible moment I've never experienced anything like it in all my you know, 19 years at the House of Commons. It was um, amazing. 90. Nineteen. Nineteen, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not he that drinks, old. He drinks a lot of water. What <laughs> yeah. was incredible was it wasn't just the hacks that were shot. You turned and you saw all these supporters, young supporters who were there ready to cheer for Boris. They'd just been cheering him as he arrived. They had no idea what was coming. MPs were standing at the back David Davis you had people like Andrew Mitchell you had lots of other MPs who were there in the front row Nadine Doris I mean her face was extraordinary I mean it is the best of times uh, but but it was (laughs) I mean her jaw dropped and people around you some of them were in tears it was incredible he made this announcement then he left the stage so quickly and it was like Brexit itself the massive massive earthquake of Brexit just a week ago seven days ago having this most enormous aftershock seven days later.
1: You said there was MPs there. You caught up with Tory MP for Braintree, James Cleverley, who's known Boris for many years. They served on the London Assembly together. And here is a clip.
2: And the L- Labour Party, who are, let's remind ourselves, are Her Majesty's opposition. Can't even depose the most inept, divisive leader in their history. So, yes, I'm upset. Yes, I'm angry. We'll get our act together, we'll bounce back, pull off our big boys' pants and, you know, get on with politics. And does it have to be a, a, a lever rather than a remainer, do you think, James? Hey, look, one of, the things that, one of the things that you are increasingly seeing in these campaign launches is it's not splitting like that. You know, there are remainers and leavers on both sides of the argument. And i tell you something, by this time next year, that phrase, remainer and leaver that'll be washed out of politics. So what I want from the next Prime Minister is... Competence and credibility, and the ability to infuse the country, drive us forward, um, make Brexit work for Britain and British people, and whoever can best inspire um, colleagues that they're able to do that is the person that will get my support.
1: I think coming across there, the, the sense that you were right that MPs just did not know this was going to happen, and. Why did it happen? Because his best friend in politics, as you might describe him, Michael Gove, sent a a little email around this morning to journalists saying, hey, guess what? I'm standing. Guess why I'm standing? Because I don't think Boris can do it. Well, that
3: was the most incredible thing, which was it. Boris was, you know, he's a fan of the classics, but he also is a fan of Shakespeare. And it was Shakespearean this moment. It really right. was. He was hoist by his own petard. You know, the man who had texted David Cameron in February with 10 minutes notice to say, I'm backing Brexit, to Cameron's complete shock that late that Sunday night, had himself been on the receiving end of an operation by Michael Gove. And Michael Gove didn't even text Boris, his friend and in, in aide, when it came to the Leave campaign. He didn't text him. The first Boris knew is the same w- moment we all knew. Two minutes past nine, email landed in his inbox and in his campaign saying, I'm, I'm going to stand as leader. That was Michael Gove. I mean,
1: I didn't, know t- I, say, I didn't know it two minutes past nine because I was in the tube going to the Theresa May launch. So I sort of bounded in at sort of half past nine. I so heard everyone. Everyone was looking shocked. And I was like, oh... The minister, shadow minister of paper resigned again from Labour, and they're like, "No, check your email." <laughs> <all> that again. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yes, yeah. Yeah, so I was one of the last. Things. Sorry,
4: you, Graham. Yeah, you, you, you can't afford to go on the train at the moment because something dramatic will happen when you get, off, get off, you get off. <laughs> to the side. Yeah, please, he should've done something about it, shouldn't he? But is that, well, when do you think he actually made the decision to do it? Was it was it literally minutes beforehand, given the surprise? Was it was it as soon as the go thing came out and you thought? I'm toast here. What was the... Well, the calculation was that as soon as as he got that uh, email,
3: as soon as his camp... Fears were suddenly confirmed that actually Gove was going to peel off. There'd been rumors last night that Gove was sort of looking wobbly. Obviously, after the leaked email from Sarah Vine, Gove's wife on the Daily Mail had got out, um, people began to think, hold on a tick, what's going on? Is this a black operation by Dominic Cummings who ran the Leave campaign very effectively, very close aid of Michael Gove. Is this is this some sort of conspiracy theory where they're made to look like an accident, this leak of an email? Actually, I've been told it really was an accident. And someone with the same surname as one of Michael Grove's aides happens to work in uh, fashion and beauty PR and Sarah Vine writes a beauty blog and the person in her email address had exactly the same um, surname and it went to them by mistake. And Owen Bennett-Jones, Bennett Jones. I've yeah. actually
1: been invited to conferences in Pakistan, yeah, will, um,
3: Owen Pakistan. I'd love to see that, Owen, I really would. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's what happened. It, it was an accident, when the way that email leaked out. But wasn't, what wasn't an accident was the fact that in politics, numbers matter, and Boris didn't have the numbers. Boris apparently had about 30 MPs. Gove had 70. This magic number of 100, we're all told that Boris had this head of steam. Most of it was from Gove. If, and Gove,
1: had, if Gove had backed Boris, they would have backed Boris as well, right? They absolutely. Have, they wouldn't have gone to another candidate. Well, no, Andrea led some yep, Brexiters. That's the, the plan. plan. They wouldn't have gone to her no. if, if Gove had backed Boris, right? That's
3: the plan. But he takes all his troops with him. Yeah. And another key factor, I don't know if this is just a bit of you know, spin, but we're told that as soon as the Gove team found out that Andrea Ledson was going to run this morning, and she, she they wanted to beat her to it because as soon as they found out she was running, they thought, hold on, she's supposed to be with, be with Boris. She's on Team Boris. If Boris can't keep Ledson, who else can, is he going to peel off? And that's where they thought, they claim, they were going to go. Actually, I personally think it was a combination of Michael and his wife Sarah suddenly having this emotional moment going, this is a great opportunity. You've got to go for it yourself. You've got the clout in the country. Boris is relying on your clout in the country to b- beat de- Theresa May. And why not do it yourself? Do, do you think he got a taste for it? I mean, he on those Brexit debates, the TV debates, where he
5: hadn't really done those kind of things before, and he came across quite well. I thought he did very well. And that sort of said to him, you know, actually, I can do this. I can do this kind of prime ministerial role, despite his constant denials, at, including in those debates, yeah. he wanted to be a prime minister. I wonder if that sort of kind of he thought, yeah, hold on, I'm, I'm not too bad at this. I mean,
3: let's be honest, we're all human. Your head is easily turned. If the nation is saying to you, you're the brains behind the Leave campaign, you're the man that has led Britain out of Europe. It's not been Boris. Boris has been front of house. You're the genius. You're the guy who's had the strategic vision, the, the grand speeches. I think
1: I said he's like the Peter Beardsley to uh, Boris Johnson's Les Ferdinand. Oh, oh no. I, yeah. A reference for your largest football program. That's a very 90s reference. I'm not sure yeah. our younger readers will get that. or yeah. our older ones. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But, yeah, there is, uh, there is a point <laughs> where just where, where Boris was the guy, the showman, and Gove was seen as this Mr. Serious, the guy who could not just make the argument better than Boris, but could carry the country in terms of the party member now i don't know I, I, to be honest i think it, a lot of the leave campaign relied on boris's charisma no it, people weren't voting leave because of Michael Gove's, you know, complicated arguments in the pages of the Times or wherever. They were voting for visceral reasons about immigration. And what's interesting is that both Gove and Boris had buyer's remorse about the tone of that immigration campaign. And we'll see how that pans out now, if, if indeed Theresa May has to pick up the pieces.
4: And and we've got to remember who kind of Michael Gove is in, in the eyes of the public. You know, He we, we might have had a very good good war, but... Through, through during this war, do you remember Tim Farron at the Wembley event made the the the, the, the comment that kind of cut through more than any any, any, any anyone else was that to Michael Gove being the worst education secretary anyone's ever seen to huge applause to huge to, to huge applause yeah and Cameron removed him from that from that job the job that he loved because he was a, a liability he was toxic and sent him to to to, to the back offices to do yeah. a chief's whip role. I, I'm not convinced that, of that, a, good, that a good e, the EU referendum campaign kind of completely deletes all that in the public.
5: But it doesn't have to win He doesn't direction. have to. No, 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 so no. he has to win Tory members, and perhaps the people that don't like him as Education Secretary aren't particularly going to be Tory members. So that yeah. might not count against him. And the key thing is, of
3: course, that the, the members of the public, we increasingly are being told, are not going to get a say in any of this anyway. There will mm. be no snap general election. There will be no public vote, this is Tory members. And it's yet another example of how parties are very different from the public. We've got this problem with Labour, we've also got this problem with the Tories. I
1: think... There's also a rumour going around, isn't there, that actually Gove might not even stand now. I mean, he's put his nominations in. There is a rumour. He could always pull out again. Yep. He, if his job is to, is to sink the good ship Boris Johnson, well, he, he's done that. Well, there's a
3: rumour that actually George Osborne is the evil Machiavelli behind this. that, that, <laughs> well, that, that he that's a, not a surprise, is it? <laughs> no, <he really laughs> a imagination to believe <laughs> that. The that master, he really, the master really tactician. wanted to do in Boris yes. and Gove, you know... Did it? Now, I'm not sure if that's true. We'll find out in the next few days if and when Gove launches. It may be tomorrow. Uh, We'll see. I suspect it it won't be tomorrow because there's a big uh, commemoration tomorrow. Um, But we'll see. It may may well be. Uh, I, I think he'll probably stay in the race for now. But there is a lot of pressure for him to pile in behind Theresa May and have a unity candidate.
1: The Goves are off. Pun any worse than you Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh. Well, as I said, it was uh, while I was at Theresa May's leadership launch thing, which I found out about it. And here's a clip of Theresa earlier on, who gave her launch in the very plush library of uh, the Royal United Service Institute of Defence think tank, in which she uh, got in a couple of digs at Boris himself before we knew he wasn't running. Here we go.
3: Well, I would, I would simply say this. I mean, I have done this. I have sat round the table. I know what it's like in those European meetings. I've not just done it, I've delivered on negotiations. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, I know other people have uh, also negotiated in Europe. I mean, I think uh, Boris negotiated in Europe. I seem to remember last time he did a deal with the Germans, he came back with three nearly new water cannons. <laughs> 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 Faisal.
1: was Theresa May, there who, if you look, if you get a chance to look at the images, it's fantastic. All these books behind it, it's a bit like the study from My Fair Lady. Anyone seen that?
4: Yeah, classic? I'm really Based hitting w- the cultural points today. Based on the story of Pygmalion, of course, the original. So, yeah? Pygmalion, yeah. what's that? <laughs> <laughs> this I is heard. it in action, you know. Yeah. You are Dr. Doolittle, he needs you Dr. <laughs> Doolittle, let's stick Theresa May. I watched a bit of it on the TV. On. Um, you were there, and um, it looks like a very impressive um speaks to me uh, very sober very you know i am a serious politician for serious times the comparison with merkel is now our our, our german edition of our, our 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 website has splashed on the, the merkel comparison that's just right yes uh, <laughs> he's <been> speaking <laughs> <there> with you <laughs> that, yeah. a little what's bit? that's just <laughs> <that's, it's> right <laughs> So, so was it was that how wasn't was it was it in the room? Tell us uh, tell us a little bit more about the, the sights, the sounds. Didn't and she sounds, make some was gags? It? That that was well, the that was a real shot, was, wasn't
1: it? The first bit of it was very much you know I'm the politician that will keep my hair, but others losing theirs. And she was making she was very clear, explicitly said, freedom of movement is not up for grabs. It's not up. for freedom of movement is something that will be looked at with any renegotiation and any. Brexit campaigners who campaigned on that, on reforming freedom of movement, and are now rolling back, that is not good enough. And that's what she said. That was a direct attack of Boris. The, the gag you heard there was about the, the water cannons. We heard that earlier on. And, you know, she did sort of reach little bits of lightness during the speech. She acknowledged that she's not somebody who wears a heart on her sleeve. She's not a flashy politician. But she did get in digs at Boris, who was seen as rowing back on uh, reformers to freedom of movement earlier this week in his Telegraph, column and she said you know if you've been campaigning on that as a Brexiter, you now have to deliver it it's not good enough for you to say that you're not going to do that and i think that really struck a chord and i think that's why a lot of people because she wasn't particularly prominent in the remain campaign mm. chris grayling who was one of the brexit cabinet ministers is chairing her leadership bid he introduced her that's to show that she can reach across the the, the leave remain divide and i thought that it was a, a really uh, sensible somber uh, pitch but it was also one of you know I will get on and do this while everyone else is trying to be flashy.
5: does she have to recalibrate her pitch now I mean as we heard a whole thing this morning was about Boris I'm the serious politician I'm her secretary I've been doing this for a long time whereas who's this clown but now the clown's not in, in the game does that change how she has
3: to I, I don't think so because it's I mean, still her strong point sure. isn't yeah. it the she fact takes that the
1: clown bit out of it and she says I've been there already yeah. one of the MPs I spoke to this week who was thinking about sporting and said we need an oven ready politician so when you look because it's not really a general election, we're not, they're not choosing yeah. the opposition; they're choosing a prime minister. Exactly, and that's why Stephen Crab will come to in the minute. In the minute, sorry, and Andrew Ledson. They might have support, but they haven't really got a lot of experience at the top. Liam Fox will say that he has, even though he was only Defence Secretary for a short time. Um, so I think Theresa May is going to constantly hit in that that thing of I can get to work day one, minute yep. one. I know how government works. Yep. Um, very quickly, Paul, you were at Stephen
3: Crab's launch yep. this
1: week. He's another one who's throwing his into the ring. He's a sort of darling of the of the new intake kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, the new sort intake. Of-
3: He's the new generation, and he made that absolutely clear. He's this combination of you know a fresh face and a little known face, which may well count against him. Um, but also the John Major-style one-nation politics that of working-class blue-collar tourism. You know, he he's had it hard. Um, he's fought a marginal seat, you know, taking it from Labour. A lot of the people at his launch I thought was really interesting were Tory MPs in Labour Tory marginals who'd won those seats. As a result, a lot of them are very loyal to David Cameron, and so he's got that loyalty card as well, just as Theresa May has. Um, But it was this idea that, you know, he's got this extraordinary life story, you know, son of a single mum, council estate. Now, you hear that, you hear those phrases and and you think, oh, yeah, you're just ticking boxes. But actually, they really matter to Stephen Crabb. You know, he's it's forged his politics. Um, It means that, you know, he's got a a devout Christianity on the one hand, um, you know, which I think shouldn't be underplayed. He had some trouble with that about the gay marriage Question, he, well, he, he, it he, he because, had to deal with that. Yeah,
1: he, he pitched himself as a social conservative. He is a social conservative, and by that, you know, there were some comments coming back that he, you know, with, with same sex marriage, equal marriage, some of his views on homosexuality. Yep. You I know. think
3: he th- th- what he's done, though, is – and we'll see how successful it is or whether it really affects him in the Tory grassroots. Don't forget, we're talking about a different selectorate here mm. from many of our audience. These people probably respect him for his views on gay marriage, for being uh, having a religious view and sticking to it, and now actually being compassionate and saying, actually, I was wrong. And he said, I was wrong. Just as, don't forget, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton were all against equal marriage. They're liberals they didn't have the same kind of religious reason for doing it as he had. And yet somehow they've become allowed to, to change their view. David Cameron, exactly the same. You know, it's been a long process for a lot of these politicians. It's now become a sort of part of an accepted zeitgeist, gay marriage. But, you know, it takes a quite a bit of uh, guts to do it in the first place. Let's have a clip of Stephen Crabb. Uh, actually, a dig at Boris
1: Johnson again. Another one. Here we go.
4: And I was brought up to understand that nothing gets handed to you on a plate. On the rainy rugby fields of West Wales, I learnt that it's not a question of waiting for the ball to pop out of the back of the scrum. If you want it, you do what's required and you get your hands on it.
1: That was uh, Stephen Crabb there. Like we see the other contenders, Liam Fox, who's going to appeal to that Thatcherite right-wing uh, Brexiteers, Andrew Lebson, who's going to appeal to those... Right. right, right wing Brexiteers. So, i uh, so let's just go around the room. Graham, final two.
4: Uh, yeah, it's Theresa and um, Gove, isn't it? Surely, yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
3: if Gove stays in the race, then it'll be Theresa and Gove.
5: Ned. I think the same, but I'm gonna say May and Crab just to be different for the sake of it. Oh. Yeah. Well, one know, thing Crab does have, which is interesting, we've not mentioned, the is sideways? the fact it's his well, he's born in Scotland, Scottish mother, yep. grew up in Wales at a time which you probably make a big pitch about where the unions are a threat. That's something he's got, the others don't. Interesting yeah. how that plays Agreed.
3: out. Agreed. And s- Ruth Davidson's a big backer of his. Don't forget that, you know, in this whole talk about gay marriage. If Ruth Davidson's on your side, there's some you're doing something right.
1: So uh, time for the quiz. The quiz. I've heard this, this is a good one. This is a <laughs> with, um, he's
3: said that every week for the last... <laughs> no,
5: but actually
3: for
1: yeah, yeah, once yeah, yeah. Apparently it's real. This quiz is called You're Not Famous Anymore. All oh, right. right. Okay. And we are all paying attention to this leadership election, Right. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So well, that was a good response, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you Feels like a trick, though. Yeah. Don't worry. What about uh, previous leadership elections of years gone by? All of them. Ooh. Watch all of them. Yeah. yeah. Right. So let's put you to the test. Who came fourth out of five in two thousand and one? William Hague winning, of course. Oh, two thousand one. Uh, I think
3: that might have been David Davis.
4: I'm going to keep saying Stephen Norris until <laughs> it comes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <just ever laughs> <slip now>. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know, I
1: Stephen Norris has <just> never stood <laughs> <slipped> for <at all laughs> a leader, right?
3: 2001. I think D.D. had a pop. You want to say him. D.D.?
1: Ned? So, I, I'm not
3: I'd <gasps> um, say any
5: conservative
1: <laughs> from that time because I'm going be here all day.
3: I'm going to say Fox again. right? I'm sticking to Fox time. every single
1: answer. Uh, no, it was David Davis, right? Oh, yes. Modern uh,
3: Conservative, he called himself. Who I came it. third in
1: 1997? <laughs> is is sure this all Tories? Scared. Yeah.
3: Right, oh, OK. God. Oh, God. No, Redwood and Redwood. Clark Redwood. John Redwood. were together, weren't they? John Redwood. Yeah. Weren't Redwood Ball and Clark together? Um, I think... Oh, L- Michael Ancrum. Michael Ancrum. Good shout, William Stan.
1: Uh, Graham?
4: Um... There's Stephen Norris. <laughs> uh, who's it was
1: John Edwards. So <laughs> uh, uh, who came second in
3: 1990? Ninety? Oh, um, 1990. Uh, um, was it Douglas
1: Hurd? No, oh, was it Heseltine? Cecil uh, it Hes- so I'm asking you, Paul. Heseltine. It was Heseltine, you're right. And uh, who came second in 1965?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Ooh. Norris. I'll give you, okay. Douglas not. Hume, no. Uh, no he didn't stand. 65, he 65. Um, a hog? Was it a
1: hog? Oh, no, it wasn't. Hog didn't stand. He was rumoured to. <laughs> Enoch Powell came third. Reginald Maudling.
4: Ah, oh, Reggie. Reggie. Oh, Reggie. Alright, Very quickly.
1: Labour, who came third in 2010?
4: It's, uh, um,
3: Burnham? Bur- Bur-
4: no. Uh, balls. Yeah, Burnham. No, Bulls. No, Bulls. No, <laughs> Bulls. <goes laughs> yeah.
1: Who is came good. second in 1994? <laughs> Brian Gould. No. No, that was 92. Oh, good shout, God. though.
4: 94.
3: 94. Uh, 94. Who stood against Blair? Uh, Beckett.
0: She
1: came
3: third. Oh. John Prescott.
1: Preser oh. Who came second in
3: 1983? Um, <laughs> Hattersley? No, he was deputy. Absolutely oh. no idea. It must have be been Ben. 83 no. yeah. against Kinnock. Who did Kinnock be? Oh god. I'm He's gonna taking... go for Brian Gould.
1: No, it was you like Brian Gould, didn't you? Yeah. It was Roy Hasley. Oh that was, was right, first time. Who came fourth in nineteen seventy six, Graham? <laughs>
4: 4th S- in <laughs> This is brilliant.
1: Um, God. Right, dead De, De De air. Yeah, Tony yeah, ben. Brilliant.
4: There
3: we are, oh, and right? that is an awesome Thank quiz. You that was the best. Was that that was, yeah, it was really good. Fitting, fitting to say it's, it's Graham's yeah, last it's Graham's, quiz. Graham's, Have Graham's we mentioned famous, that yet? This it's is, Graham's Graham's is Graham's last podcast. Graham's final
1: podcast. podcast. He's off to New York. Do you want to do the stat of the week now? It's us the stat of, yeah. of the week. Yeah. Before I
4: get too emotional. Let's the yeah, stat of the week. Okay, okay. It. so
1: it's Graham's last podcast. He's off to New York to work for Huffington Post UK from the US. I don't know it, how that works. It's like dodgy to me, but anyway. It's complicated. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Facebook status. Go on, then. Here's your stat of the week. And is there a jingle?
3: Stat of
4: the week. I was going to bring my guitar uh... in, but I had to
1: come to the Trees Made thing first. I thought there with the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird,
5: this is it? a bit weird. You could have played around. It's a great, great stat. stat. Come on, Graham.
4: It's a great stat. Okay. Uh, as ever, I would never read it until it's presented to me. So the stat of the week is I'm off to New York next week because I'm a big quitter. <laughs> while there, I plan to act like some bumbling, lovable English character a la Louis Theroux. However, the Americans will see through this because of my ridiculous surname, Dominic. (laughs) Approximately 73 people in the world have this surname and it's most prevalent in the UK with 32 people having it. That's... That is bollocks. Isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> I think you mean seventy-three. I, 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 I can I can name all eight people with that surname. I think you anyway. mean
3: seventy-three on Twitter, don't you, Greg? not uh, No, no, no. I looked into it. Okay. <laughs> the the <laughs> second most
4: common is America, though, with fifteen people having the surname. Just fifteen. I mean, I. This is this makes the whole series pretty questionable. <laughs> to, be, to be honest, so you're, hitting me, you're final, hitting me that with was this. Joke. The
1: final stat of the week.
4: Thanks thanks mate Anyway the
1: only thing more of a car crash than that in, than that stat of the week <laughs> was the Labour Party this week Um, Let's just play the clip of David Cameron giving some careers advice to Jeremy Corbyn in PMQs.
3: He asks about poverty. There are 300,000 fewer people in relative poverty since 2010. Half a million fewer people in absolute poverty since 2010. Look, if he's looking for excuses about why the side he and I were on about the referendum, frankly, he should look somewhere else. And I have to say to the honourable gentleman, he talks about job insecurity and my two months to go. It might be in my party's interest for him to sit there. It's not in the
4: national interest. And I would say, for heaven's sake, man, go. Yeah.
1: Uh, that was a pretty extraordinary moment, actually, in PMQs when Cameron said that. Really f- it had been a very quiet session anyway because the Labour MPs just weren't cheering anything Corbyn did. And you really felt like the room sort of, like, took a gasp as Cameron said that because... You- you genu- I mean, some people say he was doing it for political advantage. I think he genuinely wants there to be uh, an effective Labour opposition, And I think he genuinely was like, Corbyn, mate, just, just go, for God's sake. And also he's thinking, hold on, we're both on the same side of the referendum campaign. We lost. I'm leaving. What the hell are you
3: still doing there you didn't
1: do anything? It it was
3: was an extraordinary moment because the the normal convention, I was slightly cynical at the time. I thought, God, is this a brilliant, cynical operation by Cameron to keep Corbyn in post so that everyone in the country will say, ah, Cameron's saying, you know, you should go, and therefore all the Corbynists will say, of course he shouldn't go. But actually, I think you're right. It was a moment of real emotion where Cameron is leaving, and for good or ill, the guy is a public servant, and he puts public service first. You know, he could have made a fortune in the city or wherever And he will. And he will. He probably will. he will. But... But, um, you know, he is a public servant and he was thinking in the national interest, you should go. And that is quite powerful for a lot of Labour MPs. And and it was
5: quite quiet. It was quite quiet PMQs. But that bit, that flash of irritation Cameron had when he accused uh, Corbyn of not doing enough in the referendum, that seemed, it was it, it seemed really real. He, you could tell he was generally annoyed at how he feels Corbyn wasn't good enough and get the Remain vote out. Now, obviously, you could say that's because it meant he had to resign himself as Prime Minister, but it, it felt real and it did feel genuine, his... Yeah, his
3: I mean, obviously lots of Labour people say, Cameron, I'm sorry, you've only got yourself mm. to blame about Brexit. It's your stupid fault calling this referendum and knowing, not knowing you could win it for sure. So let's have a bit of a reality check about sympathy for David Cameron in many ways. And also... What's really interesting is the way this Brexit vote has been underestimated by Corbyn in many ways as well and the whole of the Labour Party. Europe, we always thought, was going to ruin the Tory party one day. It's ruined the Labour Party in many ways. Well,
1: y- Europe, of course, was the precursor to the split uh, between Labour and the SDP in the 1980s. As,
3: as as that's a very good point. As, as I think you've written a long thing written piece a long about I've written
1: a <laughs> long reads about it. Yeah. Ned, you were today at um, an anti-Semitism <coughs> report presentation from in the Labour Party, talk us through that because this sounds absolutely crazy. Yeah, it didn't go well for <laughs> for <laughs> Labour. Right, which, move on. Then not then. that not <laughs> that anything
5: is. So there was a report into anti-Semitism. Uh, Shami Chakrabarti, the ex head of Liberty, uh, was kind of uh, announcing it, the results of what she recommends that Labour should do to tackle any kind of racism within the party.
1: <laughs>
5: like, um, uh, yeah, Kinnaird yeah. yeah. and uh, absolutely, absolutely. So she stood up. Um, on the way in to this event, actually, I got in the lift with this guy who was handing <coughs> out uh, leaflets from Momentum, uh, talking about um, you know, Labour MPs who are trying to get rid of Corbyn, how they're traitors. And I, he handed me this leaflet. I gave it a read over. Um, he was handing it out to other people. Um, but he didn't give it to a Labour MP who was in the room. Um, and a Daily Telegraph journalist um, asked Corbyn, you know, do you not think it's a bit weird that you've got someone here handing out this leaflet attacking your MPs? This momentum person then asked a question uh, where he said that this MP was working hand in hand with the Daily Telegraph to bring Corbyn down because she wanted to look at the thing now the problem was that there's this kind of trope isn't there this kind of anti-semitic thing that the Jewish people are in kind of in hock with the media which Corbyn had moments earlier said we need to not do the MP got very upset and she went left the room so that was one kind of bad yeah, moment me. Ruth Smith yeah who uh, subsequently said that Corbyn should resign for not um, intervening and, and telling this person not to say this now that was one kind of thing that happened at this event the other problem at this event was in his speech Corbyn was saying you know, we shouldn't expect Jewish people to have to answer for what the Israeli state does, just as we shouldn't expect Muslims to have to answer for what ISIS does. Some people took this as him comparing Israel to ISIS, and that's also now become a problem. So you had, uh, in yeah. one event, you've had just two of these kind of... It was an anti-Semitism event, and you had two anti-Semitic rows at the same so time. the Labour
1: leader has been reported for making anti-Semitic remarks yes Adam Amu Simpson yes as a Jewish MP yeah. it's, not good,
5: it? it's not it
3: wasn't it's great. not a good
4: look and, and that was just the presentational stuff I noticed from <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the actual let's get to the actual report itself right which was as you that's before I not
3: got
5: before I opened the report this honest. is this yeah. is
4: before the report's been opened this, <laughs> yeah. this is the kind of you know <laughs> the, <laughs> the razzmatazz around it right but as you, as you tweeted, Ned, I noticed for, for, from the event, it was recommendations from the yes. report that it would be a bad <laughs> I mean, idea if people started using phrases like Hitler and Third not, Reich when yeah. making metaphors and, and analogies yeah, and the four. idea that you've got to tell somebody yeah. we try that to uh, you
1: self-regulate people
4: yeah I know now, now we're, we're going to have just, to step in uh, the bullet point
5: list is... of recommendations you're right and number four was can we stop talking about Hitler please
3: it was extraordinary I, I saw your tweet Ned and I oh, I just couldn't believe it I mean even amidst well, all the Ned's an unreliable gentleman <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. even amidst... we double sourced that <laughs> the boss was saying <laughs> yeah. even amidst all the Tory chaos that was that was happening this morning I saw that tweet and I I I thought, wow, is that really what this inquiry has come up with? Five bullet points, which are motherhood and apple pie. I mean, it was a shocking, shocking and indictment. It, said, it
1: shouldn't it be banned for life, My symptoms, of for the Labour Party. But no. there
3: was a, a section about, we we may look at changing the party's rules, but we may not. And you think, what has this all been about? And the most striking thing for me, I have to say, was bullet point one, which is the word packy and ZIO should not be used by Labour Party members. In that one sentence putting the word Paki first. This was supposed to be an investigation into anti-Semitism. It widened it, it diluted it into a general anti-racism thing and got away from the point which was, you know... Was there a, a student association with people who were being over the top about their, their remarks about Israel? And is this a wider problem with the far left? It, d- it got rid of that, and somehow the word Paki appears first. Now, I just thought that is so transparently an attempt to dilute the whole thing. Shami Chakrabarti, okay, sue me, you might do. But I think that was, to be to be honest, I think it was quite disgraceful. And that was
1: Paul War speaking, <laughs>
3: uh, if the lawyers are listening.
1: <laughs> I, I think you're w- right, because the problem that Corbyn has is whenever he's asked to apologise or or react to the anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, he always says anti-Semitism is, is terrible, as is every other form of prejudice, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, racism
3: always, in all its yeah, forms, to, is the phrase. But
1: the, the but and the other, he never, he never just yep. says it by itself. He? I,
5: I think this event today also displayed one issue Corbyn has, he has it in PMQs, has it a lot, it's his slowest to react to situations. So when uh, this altercation happened between the Momentum person and the MP, she's very upset, I think understandably, that he didn't intervene. I think Part of that was he just didn't react quickly enough. When he was asked a question about, you know, do you think MPs are traitors, he thought about it. He said, no, I don't like the word traitor. And I think we see that with him. He doesn't react to mm-hmm. developing situations as fast as perhaps you need to to shut these things down, as in in the utter chaos of, of the event and, and today. I mean, I've never run into rooms looking flustered more than I have today with everything that's going on.
3: I, mean, I, th- I think the real problem here is that he's got a problem in communicating a uh, lots of things, but he's certainly got a pr- problem in communicating his views on anti-Semitism. No one really thinks Jeremy Corbyn is anti-Semitic. Okay, let's put that out there. I think that's fair. But it's tolerating. It's a bit like Farage and his lines about racism. It feels as though he's ready to tolerate it sometimes. And that's just not on. You've got a responsibility as a leader. And I, I, I think what he missed the trick on is having someone like John Landsman at his side, a Jewish left-wing intellectual who's a backer of John McDonnell, uh, and viciously very vehemently hates all this stuff about anti-Semitism and equating Zionism and Semitism in the same sentence and y- you need someone like him saying it again and again look there's a valid case to be made here but also there's some anti-Semitism going on.
1: He's known as fellow traveling is not it? that's what people would sort of tolerate these things fellow travelers I thought it was interesting today that Tom Copley who is a London Assembly member for Labour said that after Jeremy Corbyn's comments of failing to intervene on happened to, to Ruth Smith, that not only should he not be Labour leader, he should be a Labour MP anymore. You know, because there were people feeling so, so strongly about this, and he represents an area in North London where there's lots of there's a, a large Jewish population. Uh, we, I mean, we could talk forever about Labour <coughs> and the mess they're in. We thought Angela Regal was going to declare today, didn't we, to stand against Jeremy Corbyn? Well, understand that's not happening now. The we time think we it may to be this, Monday, exactly. That she's so, do it. just very, very quickly, guys, what do we think is going to happen? Is Corbyn going to step down? Is going to be a challenge? How's it going to play, Graham? Do you care anymore
4: when I mean, you're off to America? You already uh, yeah, you're already on the plane, as they would say. You're yeah, on the beach, already so, on the beach. Yeah, people. I mean, yeah, there's there's, there's there's some insanity going on in America that needs keep keep across as well. I mean, I, I would I would say that surely it can't can't continue with the amount of resignations and the amount of pressure on him. But he just seems not if, if not bulletproof, then kind of immune to to, to to the criticism, and he's willing to dig in. So we're in unprecedented times. so It would it would seem that he could could cling on.
3: I think he could easily cling on. I really do think that. I think that you've got, uh, you know, uh, irresistible force and immovable object problem. You know, you've got the PLP dead against him, uh, done their best, thrown even with Angela Eagle, even though they'll probably have a leadership contest. I suspect the members will stick by Corbyn. And then knows God knows what happens. I mean, we did a story this week on Corbyn's team and desperate if he wins again. That's it for the for Labour MPs. They're going to lose their right to call or control a leadership contest, lose their rights over uh, policy. The members It will be a members-led party. And we're back where we were at the beginning of this conversation, the difference between the country and party members, whether it's Tories or Labour. And at some point, in my opinion, politics actually is about compromise. Compromise with parliamentary democracy, which not a lot of Corbyn supporters are really that in favour of. um, uh, You've got to compromise in a two-party system to try and get a breadth of opinion to win enough seats to win a general election. That's one compromise it seems Jeremy Corbyn isn't prepared to have. There's the other brutal compromise, which is politics is about two people in a room or several people in a room working out what's some common ground. And it seems as though in a lot of Corbyn's opinions there is no common ground with the opposition. Well Jeremy Corbyn's never been known for compromises, has he? Uh Ned?
5: Uh, no, I think he'll he'll run and he'll win again.
3: Yeah,
1: I think you're run. Right. I yeah. think he's gonna run, win again, and then the Labour MP's gonna have to look at themselves and think, What do we do? I mean, are they gonna split? Are they gonna I mean look. Like, I it's an extraordinary year, we
3: script, may see a new party emerge, we may see Lib Dems and some pro-Euro Tories and some Labour moderates all joining a brand new party, who knows, it's, it's that big a year I mean uh, this
1: could have already happened by the time you heard the podcast, <laughs>
3: let's be honest uh, Graham, so you're off mate That's it
1: the end. What happens that's now? at the end, as the Tony Vallejo yeah. once said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then there's a pause, and everyone forgot to clap, didn't they? Yeah, it was quite embarrassing. But much like now, much like now. Yeah. Any any final words? To, hold on a minute. We're going to keep you on, aren't we? I've just remember, remembered we've agreed to do like a weekly thing, a week from. Like yeah, that, yeah. Like like, like maybe like quicks, a letter let, from America. Let America. might be an original I'm idea. Seeking, uh, a DM from Dominic.
4: Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Oh, keep, keep, that short, keep that. Keep that. That's good. Keep that within 140 characters. Yeah. What
1: are you going to so miss the most about us? I mean, don't have to say me, but.
4: Um Ned and Paul definitely yeah, I miss those uh, right. John who does the production is great Absolutely. so yeah. definitely miss those Big three I think yeah, yeah. would be the main three well, things he, I would you can't see what he's doing with his hands listeners but he's, it's the yeah. three by <laughs> <He It's, it's laughs> <three.
1: laughs> what on earth are you pointing at me you're brilliant so uh, <laughs> yeah well any final message for our listener
4: um, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. stick with these guys they're alright I might be leaving but um, they're not bad without me. And we'll have
1: a new female recruit. In a welcome change of pace, we're going to have a woman joining the politics (laughs) team here. At At long last. I'm against it. I think it's a crazy experiment, but there we are. All right, then. Graham, you are going to say goodbye?
4: Yeah. See you.
3: Good night and good luck. See you later.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do,